Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Vegas 11, the very last show at the Apex before we head back to Fight Island. It's headlined by Tyrone Woodley versus Colby Covington. But as you guys who frequent the show know, we will not be breaking down that fight or any of the other stacked fights on this main card. Instead, we are all focused on the prelims. That's because this is the prelim primer. And for those of you who are wondering why such a show even exists, the prelim primer is a source for you guys because there's a lot of you out there who probably don't know about these prelim fighters and probably are losing money in both gambling and daily fantasy sports by not getting some insight and some familiarity with these fighters. So we're here for that. And speaking of daily fantasy sports and gambling, this episode is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. You can find them at ajsactionpacksportsbets.com. That link is in the show notes. Unlike the other guys who offer you gambling advice, AJ is much, much more than just a list of fighters or teams to put money down on each week. He gives you, his customer, both his picks and an education that you can use for years to come. And he does this through in-depth breakdowns that get sent right to your inbox each and every week. You've got to get these if you want to maximize your profit. So check him out at ajsactionpacksportsvets.com. In speaking of AJ, I have the pleasure of being joined this week on the show by AJ himself. AJ, thank you for joining me. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to be doing this with you. Uh, it's felt kind of like a long time coming. Uh, when you had this idea, I was really stoked and uh, happy to be talking these fights with you. It's an incredible fight night card, um, main event. Uh, it's highly anticipated as well as some of these other fights, including the prelims that we'll get to. Absolutely. So, as you guys know, we start every single round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Mayra Bueno Silva versus Mara Romero Barella. Silva, 1-1 in the UFC. She armbarred Jillian Robertson, followed that up with a decision loss to Marina Mraz. Barella has lost three straight, but to some pretty impressive names. She lost to Lauren Murphy by TKO. She lost to uh, Montana De La Rosa by decision. And then she lost to Courtney Casey by submission. So all top flight flyweights. So obviously, like I said, top flight flyweights. But not only that, they're also physically imposing flyweights. So here's my question for you. With, with all of those losses for Barella against very strong women, is Silva strong enough and good enough to be in that category of people that are going to give Barella trouble? I think so. A very good question. And it's a question that I think is very good and that we just, you asked it because there's just a whole, not a whole lot of UFC data on Silva. She's only fought twice in the UFC. Uh, granted, she's looked good, but I do think she's a very talented young lady. She trains with Thomas Almeida and Charles Oliveira. I think that's a very good look. And despite losing her last fights against Marina Moroz, I thought she fought very badly, especially in that third round. That was at Brazilian Brazil altitude, higher than Denver. She came on strong there in that third round. She's a very tough and tenacious young lady. And uh, ultimately, I'm going to side with her here because I think she's got the more varied tools on the feet. She's got a very good low calf kick that I think she could do some damage to Brella. Uh, Brella, I say, is a good technical striker, but the thing that I noticed with her and her striking is the timidity. I think that Buenasella is going to be the busier woman on the feet. I think she's the more dangerous woman on the feet. And like I said, she could use that calf kick as well. And even if this fight goes to the ground, I actually favor Buenasella there as well. I know that Brella has shown some submission chops, uh, but I actually think that Buenasella is the more threatening submission grappler of the two. Um, should she get in an advantageous position on the ground, I do think that she could potentially finish the fight. So I think she's a very talented young lady, and I think that she has upside in this division. 
Yeah, I, I like what you said there, too, about the timidity. And that's really my biggest problem with Barella is that, like, when she's on the feet, I do think she's got skills there. I, I just hate the fact that it seems like she never feels like pulling the trigger. And, and ultimately, in a division where you don't see a lot of finishes, although she has been finished twice, you don't see a lot of finishes. You kind of have to side with the person who does have, a, you know, significantly better output. So I, I'm going to go Sylvie here. I'm going to go with her by decision. How do you got her winning this fight? I, th I actually think she gets it done inside the distance. She looks like a finisher to me. I think she could finish it uh, on the feet or on the ground, uh, whether it's by those uh, calf kicks adding up or potentially a big shot um, and on the ground. I think that she could potentially uh, threaten even her guard. We saw uh, Courtney Case pull off a very good uh, submission attempt against Barella. I think Silva's capable of doing the same. All right, and that brings us to our second fight, which is Jordan Espinosa versus David Dvorak. Espinosa after back-to-back -back losses, he got back in the win column with a decision victory over Mark De La Rosa. Of course, that was up at Bantamweight due to a, a weird timing issue and weight cuts and stuff like that. Dvorak won his UFC debut over Bruno Silva back in March by decision. My question here is, Espinosa is kind of a wrestler by trade. He's also been caught in some submissions. So he, here's the question. As a wrestler and as a guy who likes to take people down and is having trouble once he gets there... Is that a route here he wants to take against Dvorak? I actually think he can take that route here. And uh, it's a very good question that you bring it up because uh, we saw Schnell and, and Perez uh, definitely show off their submission grappling chops. I actually just think that those two gentlemen are more threatening submission grapplers than Dvorak. Um, Dvorak is very well-rounded. Uh, I'd say he's like a good technical fighter everywhere the fight goes. But the thing that I noticed with him is he really struggles to, I guess, pull away from fights. Uh, he is a finisher, but I would be pretty surprised to see him finish Espinosa, who's shown uh, Sal Chin very good evasive movement on the outside. I think Espinosa is a better athlete here. Um, that's something that's really impressive, and he's got some of the best athleticism in this weight class and speed and uh, in and out movement on the outside. So while I do think that Dvorak is well versed in terms of you know just technical proficiencies overall, I don't think that Espinosa has to worry about uh, going for takedowns here. I do think that that is a route he could use to potentially get some top control time in one rounds. Would be pretty surprised to see him do anything too significant to Dvorak on the ground because, like I said, he's pretty defensively sound. Uh, but I do think, to your question, uh, it is a route that he could take here because I don't think he'll be in uh, that big of trouble here on the ground. Yeah, and I, I sort of agree with you on that, too, because when we saw Dvorak versus Bruno Silva, he, he defended the takedown very well in those fights. He kept his feet phenomenally. He never really threatened with anything, right? Like, there wasn't even, like, some guillotine grips or anything that made me think that, like, oh, maybe he's looking for submission. So, yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think Espinosa here, it, it's a wrestling-heavy approach for him. He could feel a little bit more safe in it. But here's the bigger question. Do you see him getting it done? How do you see this one ending? I'd say more than likely by decision uh, for Espinosa. I know that he has finished fights in the past, but I just tend to think that Dvorak is defensively sound enough and durable enough to make it full weight. He did get rocked there in that fight, uh, like you said, against Bruno Silva on the beat. Um, and Espinosa, he has shown some pop in his hands, but I just think that more than likely it goes to decision uh, in favor of Espinosa. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I'm going to go with the same exact pick here. I'm going to take Espinosa by decision. And that's going to do it for the end of our very first round. We'll be right back in just a moment. And this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is in the show notes. You just listen to me breaking down fights with AJ right now. You can tell how knowledgeable this guy does. And he can bring you even more knowledge if you head to AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. 
that knowledge comes in, like I said before, not just in picks, but also in pros and cons for each matchup. Thoughts on DraftKings matchups so that you'll know who might be the most owned people so you can pick some of those underdogs that maybe people don't know about that are going to hit big. He's got all kinds of knowledge coming your way each week. Check him out at AJ'sActionPackSportsBets.com and also check him out in the second round of this show. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jessica Rose Clark versus Sarah Alper. Jessica Rose Clark lost her 135-pound debut to Panny Kianzad by decision. Alper, meanwhile, is 9-4. She's making her UFC debut. Of course, you probably saw her back on the Contender Series beating Shannon Young by rear naked choke. That was way, way, way back. She won that contract a long time ago. But she's had some health issues, and she hasn't been able to make her debut after winning that contract. So... Here's sort of my question for you. It's a long layoff for Alpar. She had some health stuff. How do you think the fact that she has been out of the cage for so long is going to affect both A, her cardio, and B, her ability to wrestle up Jessica Rose Clark here? Because that's really the route she wants to take, right? Yeah, I think more than likely. It's hard for me to gauge exactly. It's hard to quantify these sort of things because we had, you know, we've had similar cases even like last week with Brian Barbarina. There's some question marks on him, some red flags perhaps. We weren't exactly sure how he was going to look with the layoff, the, the two stoppage losses back-to-back, but he went out there and still got the job done. So um, I wouldn't put it past like any of these fighters. Obviously, every circumstance is different. Everybody treats it differently. So I'm not like factoring it in too much. Um, I do think that, to your point, she can get the wrestling going here. Um, I do think that that's her path to victory because Jessica Rose Clark, I just feel, is a much better technical striker. Honestly, I was very impressed with what I saw from Rose Clark on the feet. She's got proficient counter striking. She's a crafty striker. She can throw in combination. She's defensively sound as a high defensive guard. Good head movement. Sees the strikes well. She's varied. She's got the ability to switch stances, utilize the swings. She's very impressive on the feet. So I just think that Rose Clark has it covered there. Um, and Rose Clark, even on the ground, she's definitely improved that part of her game. Uh, at least a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt uh, has even medaled in some no-gi competition for the commentary team. Uh, I believe her fight against Jessica I, uh, memory serves. Uh, she's also shown some submission grappling chops just, you know, off her back, threatening with triangle chokes. Um, I do think that while this fight is on the ground, uh, while I don't doubt Elhart to get it there, I just think that I could just question, like, how, what is exactly she going to do with the takedowns? I tend to think that it's pretty much going to be top control because I just think that Rose Clark has shown some solid scrambling ability. Um, and like I said, I think she's the more threatening submission grappler of the two. So uh, with Alpar, it's going to be like what we talked about with Espinosa. Those takedowns, I think, are mainly going to uh, result in some top control, which is effective, no doubt about it, to win rounds. We just saw Karate Hadi versus Mich- uh, Angela Hill in round three there that helped her win the round. But uh, nonetheless, I just think that that's Alpar's path to victory. Um, but I just think that Rose Clark has a bit more ways to win. I just think she's a little bit more polished at this stage. So uh, intangibles or not, um, on the Alpar side, I just think that this is a pretty decent uh, matchup for Rose Clark, and that's why she's a solid favorite here. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm also worried as far as somebody who, who wants to pick Alpar here because I am sort of leaning towards it, but I am super worried about the strength advantage that Jessica Rose Clark has because she is coming up to Bantamweight. She is actively trying to put on weight. And we got Sarah Alpar who said she wants to move down and the only thing stopping her from move down is some health concerns. So, you know, you almost have them going in opposite directions as far as strength goes. And if you're a wrestler, you want that strength advantage. So uh, I- I'm going to take Sarah Alpar by decision anyway. It sounds like you're taking Jessica Rose Clark. H- how do you see her getting it done? 
Yes, sir. Taking Rose Clark, uh, I think it's more than likely going to come by decision. Alpar looks really tough and durable, and Rose Clark, uh, she does. I, I would say she's a pretty threatening striker, but uh, I think that more than likely goes to decision. All right, and that brings us to our next fight, which is Journey Newsom versus Randy Costa. Newsom, one and one in the UFC. He's got a decision loss to Ricardo Ramos, and then he knocked out Domingo Polarte in his second bout. Costa, very similar path, one and one in the UFC. He got subbed by Brandon Davis in his debut, but he followed that up by knocking Boston Salmon absolutely silly in his second bout. So my question for you is these are two dudes who love to throw hands, but also are pretty hard to knock out. Are we going to see a KO in this fight? Uh, more than likely, yes. Yeah, they both have heavy hands. They both showcase that their their last fights, and even Costa in his debut. Costa, his style is really, really exciting, fan friendly. He's got that like come forward. Uh, he's confident in his power. He's got a lot of power in his right hand. He was able to hurt Brandon Davis with it, who no longer with the UFC, unfortunately, to my knowledge, but a guy that's shown a good chin and he's able to hurt him. So that really tells me something about his power. Uh, Costa's also got a five and a half inch reach advantage. He's also young and just very likely to improve fight-to-fight with uh, working American top team and just based off his, his age, his youth, his experience, things like that. I'd also say he's a solid combination striker. Um, so the way the fight breaks down to me is I think that Costa's going to be the aggressor and Newsom's going to play the role of the counter-striker. Newsom, like we just saw against the Pilardi, very heavy hands. He's content playing that counter-striking game. I do have some concerns with uh, Costa in terms of his defensive striking, his striking technique. Uh, I think the predictability could be uh, a bit more widespread. I think that that will naturally improve with, again, his experience gaining and working at ATT. Um, and, and Newsom, I just think, is the better technical striker. So while Costa, I don't doubt the fact that he has no power to hurt Newsom. I just think that Newsom is a bit more technically proficient. Um, but there is a path where um, if the fight hits the ground, I would actually favor Newsom there. Uh, if we get uh, some kind of grappling exchanges here, Newsom, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, his first martial art, a brown belt, at least to my knowledge. Uh, we saw Costa get his back taken, get choked out there in that debut. I think that Newsom, if he wants to, the path of least resistance would be to take it to the ground. But, but to your earlier question, I do think that we certainly can see uh, a knockout here should the fight play out long enough on the beat. All right, and we're just about to the end of this round, so I'm going to have to ask for your prediction. How do you see this one ending? Uh, I'm going to go Newsom uh, via Renika Choke. All right, and I'm going to I'm gonna differ with you on this one again, too. We're going to go completely different on this round. I'm going to go Randy Costa by knockout. I, I think his hands get it done, uh, and he avoids the counters. And that's going to bring us to the third round, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, guys, I feel like I don't have to tell you any more about AJ's Action Pack, sportsbets.com, but I'm going to. You just listen to him break down some fights with me for two straight rounds, and let me tell you something. I can sing his praises here all day. You can hear him do awesome stuff. But also, check out AJ's Actions Pack, sportsbets.com, where he's got all kinds of great praise from his customers, from people who've talked to him, from people who get breakdowns from him. Marcel Dorf, one of my favorite guys on Twitter, at BigMarcel24, he's the guy who's breaking all the fights all the time. He says that AJ is his go-to guy for breakdowns. So you're going to want to make sure to check out his site, all of his advice at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets.com. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Andre Ewell versus Erwin Rivera. Ewell alternated in wins and losses for his entire UFC career. He's 3-2 and two now. Most recently, he picked up a split decision victory over Jonathan Martinez. Before that, he was TKO'd by Marlon Vera in a very exciting fight. 
Erwin Rivera, 1-1 one one in the UFC. He lost to Giga Chikadze in his debut, but of course that was up a weight class, which obviously makes it a little bit harder for him. He followed that up by beating Ali Alakesi by decision. So once again, we've got a pair of fun strikers here, but we also have Andre Ewell, who's got some really sneaky subs in that. Do you see this one taking to the ground like you did that last fight with Newsom? Potentially. I think that that would be the easiest pathway resistance for Rivera. I do think that if you want to beat Ewell, that's the way to beat him. I mean, just looking at his losses, even his fight where he won against DeSantos, he struggled because of the defensive wrestling and grappling. Uh, because on the feet, uh, Ewell has an eight-inch reach advantage. He's just got the much better tools at range. I think he's the better boxer, and I just think he has more value over the course of three rounds to potentially even hurt Rivera, even though Rivera is shown to be really tough and durable. So that would be the pathway resistance for Rivera, who Trains with Gilbert Burns, trains with Vincente Luque, that's great stuff. Uh, he's got very good cardio, and I think he's got the superior scrambling ability of the two. He's got double leg takedown ability, body lock takedown ability. So I would expect that they come in with that game plan and on the ground. Um, like I said, you know, Ewell can be controlled. He can get his guard passed. And while I don't think that Rivera can necessarily submit him, if guys like Hedden Brow and Anderson Dos Santos could, could it, I do think that he could, you know, threaten a bit, uh, maybe get some top control and, and do some damage via ground and pound there. So that would be the path least resistance for Rivera. Interesting, interesting, too, because I, I like Rivera's hands a lot. And, and I guess maybe I needed to dig a little bit more on his ground game because you, you kind of convinced me there that he could do that to Andre Ewell, who, like I said, has some submissions on his record or at least has, has shown that he can threaten with submissions. Uh, it, it's a, for sure a really tough one to gauge because Erwin Rivera, too, has faced at least in his UFC career, a wide range of abilities, right? Ali El Casey shouldn't even be in the same sentence with Giga Chikadze at this stage in their career. Chikadze 3-0 and in the UFC, El Casey 0-1, and in a different weight class, a lower weight class. So, yeah, it's really hard for me to gauge where Rivera's at. Um, but we are at the end of breaking this one down. Who do you got and how do you got him? Andre, you will be a decision. It's going to be my pick. All right, and I think I'm going to take Erwin Rivera. I almost think your, your talk about the top game talked me into taking him. So I'm, I'm going to blame you for this pick, but I'm going to take Erwin uh, Rivera. I'm going to take him by decision as well. So, uh, and that brings us to a fight that just got announced prior to us coming to air. And that's Miguel Baeza versus Jeremiah Wells, a new signee to the UFC. Baeza 2-0 in the UFC. Of course, he's coming off that KO victory over Matt the Immortal Brown. He was supposed to fight Mickey Gall in this fight, but he got switched out for Jeremiah Wells, who's 8-2-1, making his UFC debut. On a two-fight win streak, all those fights for CFFC, including his last victory, which was over Marco Smallman back in last September. So he has actually been on the shelf for a while. Now, I'm just going to start by, let's talk about Baeza. Baeza is an absolute beast. He's coming off and knocking out Matt Brown. What do you expect him to do here to a newcomer? That That's really a, a reason that everybody's so high on Miguel Baeza. Well, I just think that Baeza, like like yourself, we, we both like him as a prospect. He's very young, talented, trains at MMA Masters. He's got very good leg kicks. He's got power. Just like he showed in that last fight against Matt Brown, he's able to overcome adversity. So, uh, Kid is very talented, a high-level submission grappler, and I don't think that it's a, a, an easy test for anybody that's coming into the UFC, especially in short notice, uh, facing a guy like a guy like Miguel, who um, is improving fight to fight, kind of like what I said about Costa, where he's at in terms of his youth, uh, his experience. He's the only thing to get better. Uh, future is very bright for this 27 uh, years young, uh, to my knowledge, guy. So I think the future is bright uh, in a division that has an abundance of talent. I think that the short notice replacement here uh, has a tall task ahead of them. We've seen things like this happen, like last card, uh, Roosevelt Roberts against Kevin Kroon. But uh, nonetheless, I do, do 
think that Baez has got more upside here in this matchup? Yeah, I'm all over Baeza in this fight, too. I have a lot of faith in what he's able to do, especially you take out a guy like Matt Brown, like instantly you're a guy who's on my radar. So, you know, I like Miguel Baeza. I like him by pretty much whatever way he decides to attack here. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take him, let, let's say by submission. I'm going to take Miguel Baeza by submission. How about you? I'm going to say via TKO. All right, and that's going to bring us to our very last round. That's right, we've got a special bonus round for you guys, so don't go away. We'll be right back. All right, guys, so you're getting a bonus round in just a second, so also you're going to get a bonus reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. I don't usually have something for a third commercial, but I feel like his three rounds of expertise right there kind of speaks for itself. And if you want that kind of breakdown on the main card, that kind of breakdown in all of the DraftKings matchups, that kind of breakdown on everything, he's got you covered. So make sure you check him out at AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. You will not be sorry you did. And we are back with our special round number four. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about TJ Laramie versus Derek Minner. Laramie, 12-3, and making his UFC debut. Of course, he won back on the Contender Series on August 11th over Daniel Swain, a fight that he ended by a rib injury in between the rounds. Minner, meanwhile, has lost to Herbert Burns on the Contender Series. He got a chance anyway to fight in the UFC, many of these short-notice fights. And he got lost by rear naked choke to Grant Dawson. Two very tough opponents. So he's technically 0-1, 0-2 if you want to count Contender Series. And the big thing is he keeps getting outworked by grapplers, right? Like, that's the hard thing about Derek Minner. And here he's fighting TJ Laramie, a guy who can grapple quite a bit. Do you see a path to victory here for Derek Minner? I do. He is a very threatening submission grappler early on. He's willing to jump guillotine. He's one of those, you know, submission over position type of guys, if you will. Just jumping guillotine nonstop. He doesn't even need to have the wrestling advantage in some of these grappling exchanges to kind of just jump on the neck and get the submission attempt like he showed in that last fight against Dawson and that will be his path to victory um, get a quick submission against uh, the young up-and-comer in Laramie um, Laramie is very talented to my knowledge he's at least a jiu-jitsu brown belt I've seen him compete in BJJ competition which is nice but I do think that Minner will still be a threat early on um, if, uh, if excuse me if Laramie could weather that early storm I do think that he'll be able to take over because uh, as you you know Set, said slash alluded to, you know, as the fight progresses, after you weather that storm against Minner, uh, and you put it, you get a dominant position on the ground, you're able to uh, win the fight, whether it's by TKO or submission. I do think that that's uh, Larry's path to victory here. He is a short notice, or excuse me, a not a short notice, but a UFC newcomer. Had a very impressive performance on the Contender Series, even though it was stopped by a rib injury. But I trust his cardio more down the stretch. And as long as he weathers that early storm, I just think he's got more ways to win. I also think he's the better wrestler and striker as well. So he would be the side I would take here. Yeah, I, I like the point that you made about him jumping on guillotines, though. That is a really uh, something that you have to keep in mind when you're breaking down this fight is that he does have the possibility where he could just jump on that guillotine. But the, the point you made about him being a, a submission over position type guy, to me, is just a nightmare to fight somebody like TJ Laramie, who will make you pay for giving up that position. So I, I'm going to take Laramie. I'm going to take him by TKO. You said you sided with him. How, how do you like him winning this one? I'm going to say by submission. All right. And that brings us to our very last fight, which is Tyson Nam versus Jerome Rivera. Nam lost to Sergio Pettis in Kaikar of France to kick off his UFC day, er, uh, career. He followed that up with a 32-second knockout over Zaruk Adeshev. 
He's fighting Jerome Rivera, who's making his UFC debut. Again, another guy who won back on the Contender Series all the way back on August 4th. So he's, you know, pretty quick turnaround for him as well, making his UFC debut. How do you think that Nam is going to be affected? Here, here's my question. By the, the change of opponents, the style change in opponents, and in addition to that, the fact that he's got an extended camp because he was supposed to fight, you know, a guy who's pretty grapple-heavy, you know, in his, his fight prior. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not sure how it'll affect him exactly, but I actually do think in some ways it's a benefit in that he's more prepared than Rivera. Uh, Rivera's taking this fight on short notice, more of the two, you could say, being that, um, you know, he wasn't already preparing for a UFC fight, uh, to the public's knowledge, prior to this fight with, with Nam here, whereas Nam, like you said, was supposed to fight Schnell. Uh, Rivera is very talented, I'd say. I think his strength is on the ground, based off what I found out from tape. He's at least a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. I just question if he could actually get Nam to the ground. Nam, Nam has shown... Uh, solid takedown defense, and you know I saw him fight against Ali Bagatinov, uh, other fighters as well with with solid grappling. I think that he's, you know, he should be able to keep the fight standing for long enough. Uh, Rivera's long. I'd say his striking is serviceable, but just in terms of analyzing the skill set, I just think that Nam's more technically proficient. Uh, the thing about him, though, is he just, you know, kind of what we said about Burrell is there's just long phases of inactivity in terms of the feet. He doesn't always put his foot on the gas. Uh, he's very threatening. He's powerful. He's technical. Uh, but I would like to see a little bit more urgency out of Nam. Uh, he thrives, I think, as a counter-striker. I think that Rivera will give him those opportunities. And ultimately, I will side with Nam. More prepared guy. I think the more uh, technical striker in a fight that should remain standing. Absolutely. And I think what you said, too, about him being a little bit of passive it shows that he has a weakness against somebody who's willing to pick away at him and not give him a lot of opportunities for that counter. And I think you're right. I think Jerome Rivera gives him lots of opportunities to counter, lots of opportunities to throw that big bomb, and ultimately lots of opportunities for him to land it. And to me, I'm going to go Tyson Nam by knockout here. I think he gets it done uh, with the with the big right hand. And how about you? I think so as well. I think those countering opportunities will eventually lead to a knockout. Rivera hasn't shown a chin issue or anything like that, but we know that Nam possesses a lot of power, so I tend to think that the opportunities will be there to land, and he'll get the shot. All right, and that does it with our eighth prelim. We had to do it in four rounds, this guys, because we absolutely could not squeeze it into three. I want to thank AJ for popping by from AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets.com. You can follow him at AJMMABets.com on twitter aj thanks so much for joining me yeah thanks for having me this was a lot of fun hopefully we can do something like this in the future and uh looking forward to the event on saturday